You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Imam Zubair Karim is from Dundee. He's from the Al Maktoum Masjid, and uh, he's also got a master's in Islamic banking, finance, and management. So, mashallah, we are really blessed to have uh, his uh, counsel here. So, inshallah, what's going to happen is the Imam's going to do a, a talk for about 25 to 30 minutes. After that, all the guests are going to congregate at the front, where there will be a Q&A session. We'll have Dr. Samir, we'll have the, the Imam Saab, uh, we'll also have uh, Iqbal here as well. So any questions you've got, um, hopefully we'll try and stick Umar at the front as well. Um, and just want to finally also thank uh, Masjid al-Farqad for uh, allowing us to use this great venue. So, Jazakallah. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. <coughs> Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa laaqibatu lil muttaqeen wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabi ajma'in wa ba'd Today inshallah we'll be talking, this is the second uh, time that I've been given the opportunity to uh, deliver uh, this a new presentation So it will be about Islam and materialism uh, And uh, we are all acquainted with Islam because it is a religion that we profess and that we follow as for materialism, it is a vast uh, topic, and many of us do um, differ in our understanding of what it entails, what materialism is all about. So, inshallah, we'll try to underpin and try to understand what materialism is and whether both Islam and materialism do they clash, or is there a kind of uh, uh, a complement uh, for each other? Is there some kind of uh, uh, friendship between them or relationship with them, between them or not so inshallah today we will uh, be uh, we will be investigating that inshallah this now materialism what it entails when we are talking about materialism we are really talking about matter and material matter and material they are two words which sometimes could be synonymous to each other but matter is something more broader and material becomes more of something that uh, uh, is to do with something that we can see and feel and uh, uh, we can benefit from it and from there comes the, the whole concept of materialism and that is a natural uh, uh, thing that happens in a person usually we are uh, we have the tendency to turn towards materialism. How do we know that? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, إِنَّمَا الْحَيَاةُ الدُّنْيَا لَهُمْ وَلْعِيبُ That the, the human life in this world, the human life is لَهُ وَلْعِيبُ لَهُ is a, it's a play and an amusement. وَزِينَةٌ وَتَفَاخُرٌ And it is also beauty and it's also pride regarding and, and competition. وَتَكَاثُرٌ فِي الْأَمْوَالِ وَالْأَوْلَادِ and it is also the, the competition to try to increase in children and wealth. So materialism is something that is ingrained in us. We have this tendency. And materialism in itself is defined as, materialism is defined as a tendency, a tendency of, <coughs> of uh, considering uh, material 
materials as well as the physical comfort uh, above uh, the spiritual values. So that tendency where you prefer uh, materials and you prefer physical comfort uh, above or to the <clears throat> moral and spiritual values, that is what materialism is all about. But when we go <coughs> into philosophy, that becomes more fanatical, meaning the meaning of materialism becomes more extremist, more fanatical. It, it becomes the rejection of everything apart from matter. And all those things that are to do with the matter, that will be taken on board, but anything outside that remit will never be taken on board. So it is a more of an extremist uh, idea in philosophy. But when we are talking about the definition, that's a common definition that is understood by most of us. It's a tendency of uh, considering um, uh, materials as well as physical comfort uh, uh, more important uh, uh, than uh, uh, spiritual uh, matters. So, um, as I've mentioned, one is the observational uh, definition, what we observe, what we see, and the other one is philosophical definition, and as I've mentioned, the philosophical definition is very extreme, it is very fanatical. Um, now, as we are talking about materialism, it's also important that we touch on Islam because the whole uh, subject is about or revolves around Islam and materialism. So what is the definition of Islam? Can anyone tell us what is the definition of Islam? Anyone? I surrender to the law of Allah and Muhammad. Okay. So you've taken from the word Islam, you said I is for I, then surrender is the law to the law of Allah and Muhammad. Huh? That's a good way of putting it. Anyone else? What is it, sorry? Submission. Uh, it also means submission, yeah. Anyone else about Islam? Yes, uh, Islam has two meanings as well. Uh, submission, uh, it's uh, embedded in that meaning of Islam, and also peace, because by submitting to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you attain peace, yes. Um, when you're talking about Islam, yes, it is submission, but technically, let's look at it technically or from the Sharia point of view. It is a complete way of life, yes? It's a complete way of life. Obviously, we have to submit to that. It's a complete way of life. Uh, uh, that encompasses uh, the belief systems, al-aqidah or aqaid and also forms of worship, yes, al-ibadat, and also al-mu'amalat. When we are talking about mu'amalat, transactions, they can be both financial, al-maliyah, al-mu'amalat al-maliyah, and also non-financial transaction, like marriage, yes? It is non-financial transaction. There are non-financial transactions as well. Uh, also akhlaq, character. So Islam in reality, it's a complete way of life. It covers every part of your life. You know, when we are using the word religion sometimes, it, sometimes uh, it is uh, 
restricted to beliefs and worship. But when we talk about Islam, people say, oh, don't call it religion. Have you heard somebody saying that before? Don't call it a religion, it's a way of life. Has somebody rebuked before? Yes. It is a religion, but it's a complete way of life. So it covers every part of your life. It doesn't live. Now, when we are coming to the transaction, the financial transaction, it is to do with wealth, and wealth is to do with materials. Is that right or not? Yes? So, uh, Islam does have some kind of relationship with materials. But now, let's look at materialism, and let's look with Islam. Do they conform with each other? Is there a kind of relationship? And how strong that relationship is between both? Right. When we are talking about materialism, have you ever come across some books where it might mention, some scholar might, might write like the evil of materialism, something to talk negatively about materialism. Have you come across something like this before? Yeah? You get something like this, isn't it? The evil of materialism or the downside of materialism, how bad materialism is. So there is, amongst the Muslim scholars, you will find uh, writings to that plus the lectures <laughs> it's not only the books if you're into lectures and listening to lectures go on YouTube and you'll find that so there is and the reason being is the fact that materialism is looked at obviously because of the understanding of it you know it's looked at as something frowned upon something that you know it's worshipping uh, materials and forgetting the din. And this is the reason why materialism is given that negative light by Muslim scholars, even Christian scholars you might find, the same Jewish scholars, even secular ones, yes? Secular philosophers, they might even talk, you know, all uh, the evil things about materialism. Uh, so, when a Muslim talks about it, sometimes it could be because of the one-sided uh, textual uh, approach meaning that he will be looking both in terms of understanding materialism as it is defined and also in terms of understanding the, the sacred text. When we are talking about sacred text, what do we mean? The Quran and Sunnah, isn't it? So by looking at the sacred text, sometimes they have a one-sided approach to the text. What happens? You do not have a clear, isn't it? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does mention sometimes the evils of wealth. Allah mentions about Qarun, isn't it? Allah said that he was given so much wealth. And what happened? Musa alayhi salam came to him and he said that take some out of that which Allah has given. So the materials that he had or the wealth that he had were given by Allah. That which has been given by Allah, take a small portion out of it. So what did he say? Does anyone know what was his reply? He said that I have been given, I have got this wealth, I have given this wealth because of my business acumen. Yes? Yes? My expertise. Come on, for God's sake, there are many great experts in Glasgow University teaching you about business, but they don't have that much. Yes? And there are many businessmen who do not even know how to write, yes? And even sign. And they've got big bank balances. Yes, so he, he refused to give a zakat. 
Now, because of not giving zakat, what was the uh, the effect of that? You know, when you take zakat, it has a, an effect on you. Remember this. When you're taking zakat, it has a, an effect on yourself. You might not realize, but it does. Zakat purifies your wealth and purifies you as well. And purifies the way you think. Now he's planning against Musa Islam. He says, how on earth can you tell me to give this wealth? I have acquired it, not because of Musa Islam or anyone else, it's because of my business acumen. How on earth is, now he starts plotting against Musa Islam. Yes? So you can see, not taking zakat did not purify the wealth and did not purify his thinking as well. Had he taken zakat, it would purify his way of thinking. Yes, it has an effect. You know, what we spend, it has a, a strong effect on ourselves. So, because of not doing that, what he did, he started plotting against Musa And what he did after that was that he caught someone, a woman, who was a prostitute, and who was pregnant. And he said that, you know, when Musa Islam is delivering his speech, you stand up and say that, you know, the child that you have inside you is of Musa Now, Musa was preaching one day, people were sitting, and obviously she was paid. So she stood up and she said that, so what happened was that Musa because Allah had given him all, rob. Musa asked her directly. And on the other side, Karun is sitting to see the drama, isn't it, unfolding in front of him. And he's sitting to see what's happening. And there she is, she stands up and she says, the child I have inside myself is of Musa Character assassination. Musa hasn't done anything. So Musa Allah had given him that awe. Oh, he said, lady, could you explain, is that true? That the child that you have, it's mine? So because of that strong awe and fear of Musa she said, no, 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 I'm really sorry. That's of a, she- that's of a shepherd. Harun told me to do that. Yes? So the whole plot, the mastermind behind this was, so at that moment, Musa could not take much. And he prayed against uh, Karun. So one day Karun was showing, yes, he was a materialistic person, wasn't it? Yeah? He was showing his wealth and he came out. And as he was coming out, showing his wealth, it was a day of uh, festival. Everyone is looking at it and everyone is saying, wow, look at the amount of wealth he has. I wished I had the same. Yes, everyone is saying that I wish I would have. I love to have the same. Then all of a sudden, Allah commanded the earth to open. He and his wealth, all of them, went right in. At that moment, people realized and they said, Wake an Allah, yabsutu They said, No, no, it is Allah who gives the wealth and He is the one who retracts it. So, when we see stories like this in the Quran and so on, sometimes people grow into one sided understanding of those texts and they say well there you are material materialism is not a good thing again we find many times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about dunya and Allah shows the irrelevance of dunya we find there is a hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying لو كانت الدنيا تعدل عند الله جناح بهودة ما ستقافرا 
If Allah had any value of this world, should the the value of the the wing of a mosquito, then Allah would not grant a unbeliever, an unbeliever, a sipple of water to drink. So we have all these things. We find many a times the Prophet also saying that you know um, the son of Adam, nothing fills him. Nothing fills his stomach apart from the earth, meaning when he dies. So he has that tendency towards wealth because Allah has not really given it. Okay? So we find that side, but we forget that there is other side of it where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam have praised the wealth. Yes? Have praised those who really understand the responsibility. You know, they, they have the, 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 the consciousness and they know their responsibility and they know where to draw the and we find not only uh, that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has praised wealth he has also praised those people who possess the wealth and who have piety in them yes we find many a times the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam saying as-sadiqu sadiq al-amin meaning that a businessman who is uh, truthful and he is also trustworthy, he will be man or siddiqeen or shuhada, he will be with those people um, who are uh, uh, who are the prophets and also the siddiqeen and shuhada. Uh, so it is important that we have a universal understanding. Many a times people do grow, uh, obviously when you listen to many lectures, isn't it? And when you see people talking all the time negatively about it, you think, well, uh, you know, materialism, you have to completely divorce it, yes? Uh, and the material world should be completely denied. That's not the way, yes? Islam has recognized the, the materialistic tendency of human beings. This is the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned. This is the reason the Prophet has shown and has mentioned many a times that tendency that human beings have in terms of materialistic feeling. So what we have to understand is that uh, there is something called balanced materialism, meaning there is a balanced tendency where a person does embrace materialism, but he does not negate the spiritual and the religious values. Yes, If your materialism leads to uh, disregard the deen, then that is where the pitfall lies. Yes, If you keep things balanced, then it's fine. The fanatical materialism is when the tendency of uh, of possessing wealth, yes, and also of uh, of attaining uh, physical uh, comfort overtakes your religious values, your belief systems, and so on and so forth. That's where the problem happens. And when it becomes more fanatical, meaning that if materialism is taken to extremes, just as the philosophers they say that. Nothing matters apart from the matter. Nothing matters apart from the matter. Then uh, that's where the problem happens. So if materialism is, take, is kept in balance, does it, I mean, does it intermarry or does it, uh, does it have that relationship with Islam or not? That uh, is the question. Obviously, Islam does not negate material or materials. There is Islam teaches us to keep things balanced, 
and also it teaches us justice and materialism if is kept balanced then obviously it's something that Islam praises about it uh, in fact we find many a times the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would uh, would encourage the companions to to be uh, entrepreneurs not only that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would tell them to, to also have that that connection with uh, with the world and did not say that you break that connection and uh, therefore we find the prophet stating in a hadith uh, where the prophet says that uh, that have you know take interest in those things that benefit you and obviously the materialist uh, the, the materialistic world does benefit you in terms that it will grant you physical comfort, yes, it will grant you peace of mind, yes, and it might help you in fulfilling the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you do not have money to go to Hajj, that's a problem, isn't it? So the materialistic tendency in human beings does fulfill many parts of Islam. And in fact, we find how can you give zakat if you do not have any, if you say that, okay, I do not want to have anything to do with the materialistic world, how on earth could you be able to fulfill that. In fact, the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam were into that. Look at uh, Abdurrahman ibn Auf when he came to Medina Munawwara. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saw, saw that these companions have come from Mecca to Medina. They are known as Muhajirun. Yes, Muhajirun. They are the migrants. And those living in Medina, they were known as the Ansar. Now, those who came from Mecca, these were businessmen. So they had that uh, uh, connection with the material world. They had that materialistic tendency. They had that uh, love for doing business and also in gathering wealth. Yes, and they, they knew how to uh, do business. On the other side, we find the Ansar, they were farmers. So the Prophet started an initiative and it stated that in the human history we have never come across a leader who has come up with that initiative in Medina. Does anyone know the name of that initiative? <coughs> the first initiative that the Prophet started, which in fact strengthened the ec economy of uh, Medina. Does anyone know? Yes, it is known as Muakhat or Ikha, brotherhood. The Prophet ﷺ made brothers between who? The Muhajirun and Ansar. Muhajirun, they knew, they had the business expertise, and Ansar, they, they were farmers. So if you create that brotherhood, what happens? Both of them? Yes. So there's a shared economy that allows the economy to grow. Yes. So what the Prophet ﷺ did was he created that. Now, what it helped the economy of Medina to, to strengthen, number one, number two, it allowed others to also learn how to do business from... And also, because Muhajirun, they came penniless. When they came to Medina, did they come with money? No. Their money and their wealth and everything was confiscated by Quraysh in Mecca. So they came penniless, but they had the 
know-how and expertise. Many times you hear, isn't it? Some people, they say, oh, we're thrown out of Uganda. Have you heard of that? Yes? And I came penniless. Now I've got a very big business and I'm a millionaire and so on and so forth. You hear about that, yeah? And some people, they will say that, yes, yes, brother, may Allah grant him Jannah. In Dundee, we have a brother who's passed away, brother Ibrahim Okhai. He used to say that I came with only a few coins and few notes in my pocket and then look what I've done. So may Allah grant him Jannah. So you have <coughs> uh, the Muhajirun, the, they came to, to, uh, to Medina in that state. So the Prophet created that brotherhood. And one of them was Abdurrahman ibn Auf. When Abdurrahman ibn Auf, the Prophet when he created the brotherhood between him and somebody else, uh, that uh, that Ansari brother said that uh, uh, Abdurrahman ibn Auf, I have two wives, and whomever you you like, I am ready to divorce her, and you can marry. And I've got wealth. Why don't we divide half and half? Really good. So Abdurrahman ibn Auf said, No, uh, brother, may Allah give barakah. What did he say? There is barakah again, yes? May Allah give barakah in your family and wealth. I don't want that. Just show me where the, the marketplace is. Yes? Now imagine going to the market without a penny. How can you become? You know what was his worth today? Abdurrahman ibn Auf's worth today is about 500 billion pounds. If we try to exchange the, the, the amount of wealth he left when he died, what was his worth? 500 billion pounds. So he's going penniless to the market. So if you go penniless to the market, how can you generate wealth? Can anyone give a, some insight? How can you generate wealth? You go to the market without having anything and then all of a sudden you die with 500 billion pounds in your bank or whatever. How can that happen? You can uh, give his uh, acumen and his ability to share with somebody who has finance. Uh -huh. And together you can help share the profit. Right, okay, that's a good idea. Uh, yeah? No, if you go to the market without any pennies and all of a sudden when you pass away you leave behind for your inheritors 500 billion pounds, how can that happen? You can use your business skills to sell on behalf of the market. Meaning that you can be like Mudarib or something like this, yeah. as the Prophet was, yes? Um, yes? Yeah. 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 yeah, but if you share knowledge with that person, um, Many people they want free knowledge from you. So do you think will they pay? Or unless you open an office, yes, yeah, and you say that you I'm a consultant, yeah, that, that's possible. Then you can, yes, anything else? Yeah, yeah. So it is in reality uh, providing services in the beginning, is it? So it is the service sector. And from there, when the wealth generates, then you start, as a, you're, an, you're an entrepreneur, you start building up. So that was one way, leaving the Islamic finance <laughs> side of it, that was the other way to generate uh, uh, wealth.
So uh, we find that, uh, subhanAllah, I'll give you what happened was that uh, Abdurrahman ibn Auf once uh, he was returning from his journey, you know, his business journey or business trip from Syria, uh, or uh, his caravan was returning with so much wealth on the caravan, you know, food stuff and so on, that when the caravan entered into Medina, it was like earthquake. So you can understand, you you can envisage how long that caravan might be. So Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she was in the house and she told one of uh, um, her relatives, minor relative, she said, go and find out that uh, what's this? Is it earthquake? Something is happening outside? Find out what's happening, yes? If there's a drilling happening in your street and the house starts shaking, you're worried, isn't it? You want to find out what's happening. So uh, he went and he said, it is the caravan of uh, Abdurrahman ibn Auf full of food and all this stuff. So at that moment, uh, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala, Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu ta'ala, she said, may Allah have mercy on Abdurrahman ibn Auf. I heard the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa saying that he will enter Jannah habwan. Habwan, I think uh, it's like when you sit down on the floor, right? You know when there's a speech going on and you're sitting on the floor and you start moving, yes? This, uh, yes, moving forward, yes? He will enter in that, dragging himself while sit, seated on the floor. He will enter in Jannah in, in that way. So that boy, he went quickly to narrate that to Abdurrahman ibn Auf. He said, I've just heard freshly from Aisha radiallahu ta'ala that she has heard from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this Bashara, this uh, good news. <coughs> Abdurrahman ibn Auf was so happy, extremely happy. What did he do? He gave the whole wealth and the camels and the strings and everything in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He just spent everything in sadaqah. Huh? They used to give, Allah used to give more, isn't it? More you give, more Allah will give you. Inshallah. So how does, yes, we've got the barakah. We were talking about the materialism and material wealth. Islam does not negate that as long as you keep things balanced. And uh, barakah can also... Um, spread into the material, material wealth, but if, if you are completely subjective yourself to materialism, to an extent that you forget deen, then most likely you might not get that much barakah. For more information and to listen to more podcasts, visit us at arc.score or check out the Arc Media app.